Welcome to the Alex Candy Podcast, which is brought to you by BasketballNews.com. This is episode number 21. We post new episodes every week, so make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, I'm joined by a special guest. He's a writer for Hoops Hype. He also hosts the Hoops Hype Podcast, does a fantastic job with that. He does player interviews, long forms, and he has a current series called his NBA Trade Intel series, where he talks to executives and agents from around the NBA and shares the latest rumors and rumblings on the trade market. My guest is Michael Scotto. Mike, thanks for joining me. How are you? Hey, Alex. My pleasure, brother. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited for uh, the trade deadline, obviously. It is Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So you've been doing these great pieces over at Hoops Hype, basically uh, sharing any kind of trade intel that you hear. It's a great series. I would definitely recommend everyone go check it out. But I wanted to bring you on to talk about what you're hearing from executives and agents and people around the NBA. So let's talk about the latest trade rumors. I want to start with some vague questions, uh, general questions about the deadline. First of all, which teams have been the most active leading up to the deadline? Sure. Well, first off, thanks for the kind words on the stories. I appreciate it. Um, I would say for the teams that are most active, uh, certainly Miami jumps out to me um, as a team, as a contender that's trying to improve um, Philadelphia, too. But really more Miami to me has been aggressive. I think they realize that in the revamped Eastern Conference, if they're going to compete with the Brooklyn Nets and their big three and Philadelphia as well, they're They've improved throughout the course of the year, but they do think that they're one extra guy away that's an all-star all-star caliber player that can help them get to that uh, level again where they were last year. Now, another team maybe that's that I think has been aggressive that's more of a team in the bottom of the standings that's trying to improve would be the Minnesota Timberwolves. You, you've heard a lot of talk about them trying to get a forward. Aaron Gordon, um, John Collins as well. Uh, you know, Gerson Roses has been working the phones diligently for Minnesota, and they've got some pieces that they can work with. They have plenty of draft picks in the years to come. Um, you know, you've got a core of Anthony Edwards. You've got Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell there. Um, I think they're trying to supplement that. I think some teams would be curious if Jared Culver is going to be available, uh, even if it's not now, maybe closer to the trade deadline. Um, so I, I think Minnesota has pieces to work with as well. Um, those initially for me were the, the, the two biggest guys that I thought, uh, and teams rather in terms of guys that can make moves. And I, I think the other one really more with one player, the Brooklyn Nets with Spencer Dinwiddie, um, his bird rights are valuable, even though he's not expected to come back this year. Although I will say you can never count out Spencer. He's been rehabbing diligently and even anybody in Brooklyn will tell you that they don't necessarily count him fully out. Uh, for the year just because of uh, the remarkable rehab work that he does. But that said, for teams that are over the cap, it's an opportunity where maybe they can get a guy like a Spencer Dinwiddie and acquire him, see him through his rehab process, and then be able to go over the cap with his bird rights. Um, you know, obviously the capologists of the world, the Yosey Goslins, the Eric Pincuses, everybody, you know, Albert Namad, you name it, Keith Smith, all those guys, they do a great job. They'll explain that better. But to me, those are some of the guys that I really think move the needle. And obviously the Orlando Magic with uh, Aaron Gordon and Evan Fournier. Um, that's a team, you know, your local team that's uh, in a bit of a transition period right now. They, you know, they started the year out hot. Then they get the injuries to Markel Fultz. You know, you don't have Jonathan Isaac. And I think now for them, 
you know, they've always had a question whether Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon can fit together in a front court. And I think now because of Aaron Gordon's contract, where he's got one more year on his deal after this year, it's making them kind of move the needle now and see if they can get more back for him. You know, Nikola Vucevic um, has had an incredible season. Um, you know, if, if you would have told me this guy would put up the numbers he is now, I wouldn't have thought that, but credit to him. Uh, he's become a bona fide all-star in this league. So he's not going anywhere, but a guy like Fournier and Aaron Gordon, they're certainly drawing a ton of interest because right now, those are the best guys that are available at this point. You know, when you look across the uh, market overall, that could have an impact uh, going forward. So we'll get to Dinwiddie and Gordon and Fournier in a second, but I want to ask you, do you expect this to be a busy trade deadline? Because when I look at it, you know, I've heard from some executives saying that because this is a weird year uh, where uh, a lot of, a lot of executives right now and scouts uh, they're on the road, you know, scouting college players, they're at conference tournaments and March madness games. So I know they said that's kind of interrupted things a bit, whereas usually they're at their desk and fielding calls, they've had to do multiple things. And and one executive told, you know, Spencer Davies that works with us at basketball news that there've been a lot of missed calls and phone tags being played. So that factors in, but then not only that, the fact that you look at the standings and so many teams still feel like they're in it, either they feel like they're a contender or, you know, they're all bunched together. So they feel like they can make a playoff run or that they're just outside the playoffs, but they have a shot to get to the play in game. I feel like you have a lot of buyers this year, but not necessarily a lot of sellers. So I think that could maybe slow things down a little bit. You know, when you look at this deadline, do you expect a lot of activity? You know, I would say, Alex, the biggest thing that I've seen, or at least heard rather, I should say, in talking with execs is that, the play-in tournament has really kind of changed the narrative of this trade deadline. Um, you know, it seems that for a lot of these execs that – these teams that are in like that 7 to 10 range, they don't know really whether they're going to compete for the playoffs or – you know, it's almost like – I joke with it with a couple of execs that it's like the participation trophy. You know, now that it's going into the 10 range, um, you know, I thought last year maybe was different because of the circumstances and, and the bubble and whatnot, and, and you had to make up games. But to go into this year, um, you know, it adds revenue for the league, which I understand that. I just think that right now, um, okay, you never know. So as we're recording, as a trade deadline stuff goes down, but um, hey, if you got to jump off, take a call. I totally understand. By the way, no, nah, that's all good. I I, <laughs> gave, I gave it a glance, but you know, I you always have that jolt of like. Uh, um, but yeah, so to me, the play, the play in tournament and talking with execs has been the biggest thing because the play in tournament, uh, it's got teams, like you said, they're not even sure if they're, they're buyers or sellers. And I think the perfect example of that would be, you know, the Sacramento Kings, you know, uh, some weeks, you know, I had Sam Amick on, on the Hoopside podcast. And at the time he thought that Harrison Barnes was definitely going to be a goner. Now, not as sure on that. You know, the Celtics have been involved with several players um, and they were a team that many thought could be in the mix for Barnes. So it's, it's very fluid at this point. And then you also look at teams like, um, you know, Miami's been on a roll and then you've got team, a team like Toronto who has not leading up to the trade deadline. And so that kind of makes things fluctuate a bit. So I, I, you know, overall, I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to see like the quote unquote, superstar elite player get traded you know James Harden was that guy earlier in the season I but I do think there's value here and guys like Kyle Lowry that's an all-star you know 
Aaron Gordon's a terrific player that, you know, you can have for your team now and going forward. So I would look at those, uh, those guys for sure. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be a lot of minor moves and, you know, role players changing teams, but not any, you know, huge big name players. I think if, if there is one player that is a you know, multi-time all-star that we're going to see on the move, it's probably Kyle Lowry, who you mentioned. We've heard Miami, Philadelphia, those are the two teams that are being talked about. What's the latest on Lowry and whether or not, you know, you think he gets moved? Sure. And I mean, I touched on this in the most recent Intel piece I had on Hoopsite that right now, to me, I think the X factors are guys like Duncan Robinson and Matisse Thibel. Um, because essentially you're looking at, you know, Miami doesn't want to part with Tyler Harrow. And, you know, they didn't want to do it for James Harden. So if you're going to try to do that for Kyle Lowry, I don't see how the logic would fit there. You know, Duncan Robinson's a guy that I think is going to get paid, you know, and, and this is just my opinion personally. We saw Joe Harris uh, get paid last year substantially for the Brooklyn Nets and have interest from other teams like the Hawks as well. Um, I think Duncan Robinson's going to be that guy on the market this year as a restricted free agent. And if you want him, you're going to have to overpay to get him. So I think Miami's realizing that and, you know, at least considering whether he should be a part of the deal or not. Um, for Philadelphia, um, and I touched on this in the piece on Hoopside, Matisse Thibel is a guy that a lot of teams covet. So certainly Toronto is one of them. Um, he, a lockdown defender and a guy that's still under a reasonable contract. Those, those type of guys, as well as draft picks, those are the best currency you can have in the NBA. So, you know, I know that Philadelphia views him as a guy that can be a part of their team that's competing this year to try to win a championship with his uh, defensive ability. And, you know, he fits in with the core of Simmons and Embiid. So it's going to be tough to pry him. But to me, those are the X factors. Because if you start putting those guys in the trade talks, then you're really moving the needle forward. We saw Victor Oladipo traded earlier this season. He was part of the you know big blockbuster deal involving Karis LeVert and uh, and James Harden. I'm curious, you know, do we see Oladipo traded a second time? I know there was a report today from Woj saying that you know they're continuing to have conversations with different teams. We've heard Miami, New York, Atlanta, Golden State. A lot of teams have been linked to Oladipo. Um, he hasn't played as well in Houston. It seems like he doesn't want to be there. What's the what do you think happens with Oladipo? You know, it's, it's interesting that you said that it doesn't seem like he wants to be there. I remember his introductory press conference, and he was very much of like, it's a business plan. You see if you want to invest in it or not, in it or not. And when you're losing this many games, kind of hard to want to invest in that if you're a guy like Oladipo that's in the prime of his career. Now, you know, you've heard all the talk for it seems like an eternity at this point, the worst kept secret in the league that, you know, he'd love to go to Miami. Um, but you know, to me, I, I don't know. You know, with Victor, I really wonder now if and, – and other GMs have, are wondering this too. Can he get back to that all-star level? Um, I, and another thing that some GMs were curious of is why get rid of Karis LeVert in the first place if you're Houston? You know, that's a guy that was – you know, now I don't know if they had knowledge of, um, you know, his medical conditions, but that said – you know, Karras was a guy that could help you win now and be a long-term guy. Yeah. So Victor Oladipo, it kind of, for, for some executives around the league, it, it made them think, okay, Houston's maybe not fully rebuilding. They're kind of in that transitional period, just trying to compete. And, and it hasn't worked to this point. Um, so for Victor, 
I don't know. You know, the Hawks, and you talked about some of the other teams, the Knicks, the Heat, as and, and Woj touched on it too. The Knicks and the Heat don't have to give up assets. They have the cap space to just get them anyway. And while I do think he's a marquee big name free agent, I don't know if he's going to have as much interest as, you know, maybe he would have a couple of years ago. And, you know, like I touched on, guys like Duncan Robinson, shooters, guys like that, are going to get uh, a lot of attention. So it's going to be interesting to see in, in that regard. And also you got younger guys like Jared Allen too, who are going to command a lot of money on the market as well this summer. So um, it might be a little bit tighter of a squeeze in the fine and the free agent market than maybe Oladipo is expecting. No, that's a good point. Uh, another upcoming free agent, Andre Drummond. Now there's been a lot of talk about him. If he gets bought out, everyone assumes he's going to the Lakers or Nets. I think uh, Mark Stein may have reported that the Lakers have the edge at this point, even though they only have a minimum contract to offer, whereas the Nets have the disabled player exception uh, that they got for Spencer Dinwiddie's injury. Uh, I guess there's a belief that Drummond wants to go to LA. So we'll see what happens if he's bought out, but there's still trade uh, talks happening you know, with Cleveland. Uh, in your Intel piece, you wrote about the Mavericks and Rockets being two teams that are still talking about a possible trade for Drummond. What's the latest on that? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys, you know, they call, they don't, to my knowledge, they don't have offers on the board. And, you know, that's a phrase you'll hear from executives when, you know, exploratory interest, you know, for, for maybe the younger fans that are listening. Anytime you get exploratory interest, that's usually a team calling another team, gauging um, whether they're willing to move a guy and what's the price tag. Um, in terms of an offer on the board, that's when you're discussing players and, and whatnot and who could be going where. So, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers have not had that for Drummond. Now, JaVale McGee, they feel that they eventually will be able to move. He's got a lesser salary and they're looking not really for a ton, you know, second round draft pick, you know, just to, you know, they know what he is. He's got a value to a team that could be contending in, in the playoffs at this point. So, um, it makes sense. You know, they would just probably need some type of a big body back because if Drummond's going to go and JaVale's the only backup, you need somebody behind Jared Allen. So something small like that, you know, teams around the league are looking more at McGee for sure. I think just the whole – the situation with Drummond kind of fascinates me, Alex, and I think it shows how centers around the league are kind of valued now. You know, unless you're a really young guy that's getting his first contract as like a restricted free agent, it just seems like after that, it's kind of harder for some people. You look at Drummond's stats and you go, wow, like on paper, this guy should be getting paid. There should be a lot of teams interested, but it hasn't materialized to that. And, and again, I think it says a lot about the way the league is valuing uh, centers at this point. Yeah, I mean, we saw him traded last year from Detroit for John Henson, Brandon Knight, and a second-round pick. And if I'm Drummond, I'm looking at the lack of interest last year, the lack of interest this year, and I'm thinking, man, maybe my free agent market isn't going to be what I expected. So that could affect the buyout talks as well. You know, if if people are expecting him to leave a bunch of money on the table, I think that might not happen if he's thinking he's going to take a significant pay cut already in free agency going from his salary of nearly 29 million to whatever he gets on the open market next off season. You know, he might be thinking I'm taking every penny I can from this current deal because I don't know what the future holds based on, you know, how teams are valuing me around the NBA right now, how the NBA is evolving. So I think that's something to keep in mind as these buyout talks start, if he isn't traded, but yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, uh, 
you know, we've heard the Mavericks talked about as a team that's looking for a lot of big men. Uh, the Rockets, uh, they're interesting because apparently they were linked to Aaron Gordon, but they want him to sign a contract extension. When he wasn't willing to do that, they kind of moved on from those talks, but they're linked to a few different, uh, you know, players as well. So uh, those are two teams to uh, keep an eye on for sure. I want to ask you about Aaron Gordon. We talked about it a little bit. Again, the Rockets were were talked about briefly, but he wouldn't sign an extension. Now there have been reports that the Boston Celtics are the front runner for Aaron Gordon. Apparently, I think Matt Moore from the Action Network reported that uh, the Celtics are offering two first round picks uh, and a player as well as their trade player exception. Now, there was a report that the Magic want that player to be Marcus Smart. Uh, the Celtics are hesitant to move on from Smart. So we'll see if uh, Orlando and Boston can come to an agreement. But there was also the report that Aaron Gordon has formally requested a trade, which may increase the likelihood that we see him moved before Thursday. So we talked a little bit about Gordon and how he might be the biggest impact player that's traded between now and Thursday. But I'm curious, you know, do you think we see Gordon get moved? And do you think Boston ends up being the landing spot? Well, first off, you know, when you were talking about Drummond, one thing I would say when you were saying about leaving money on the table, you're right. You can look at a team with an injury exception and go, hmm, maybe that could uh, you get some of that money and, and it makes a difference. So that, that was a good point by you. Um, ultimately, you know, look, it's it's been out there. I certainly think it comes down to the Lakers and the Nets. I just think he has a better chance to have a role on the Lakers, you know, with the Nets. Uh, yeah, and it's an interesting dynamic for his agent, Jeff Schwartz, because with the Nets, you've got DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin who were there. They're his clients. Yeah. Now, if you've got Drummond there, that's a third guy. Kind of hard to keep uh, all those guys happy at the same time, getting minutes and whatnot. But that was just my uh, that my read on it. As far as Aaron Gordon, um, you know, in terms of uh, the, the picks and stuff from Boston, I you know, I got to say one thing about Boston. They are – some people like executives around the league will, you know, think of the Boston Celtics as like that, that flirt, you know, that, hmm. that, that either guy or girl, it's just very flirtatious and, and whatnot, but then pulls back. Cause I feel like they've had so many things on the table and Marcus Smart's name has come up in a lot of different things. You know, you heard about, you know, even moving up to maybe the number two pick in the draft, you know, that's something where like for Marcus Smart, yeah, you do that. You know, if I'll say this, there are going to be people in that locker room that are his teammates, and there are going to be coaches on that staff that if Marcus Smart leaves, it's not going to go over very well. I mean, yeah. he's a guy that makes winning plays. And, and I just had this conversation with a with a GM earlier today, you know, before he went into his facility and got his COVID test. Guy loves Marcus Smart, loves the intangibles. He's described as a winning basketball player. You know, the, the hustle plays, the defensive intangibles, he just – does everything you want. Um, and he's on, and he's on a cheap contract. So yeah, you know, when Orlando, you know, when it was out there about Orlando wanting him, I think it's similar to like a Toronto wanting Matisse Thibel. Sure. Yeah. yeah I think, everyone a, I think does. a lot of teams would. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and, well, and look, we saw, saying, we saw, we saw smarts value when he was out too. I mean, you just saw that team look completely different when he wasn't on the floor. Yeah. And then, and you were saying to me, ultimately, you know, if I see him going to Boston, um, I'm reluctant to say that only because, I mean, sure, if they're offering multiple first round picks, you know, in one of the Intel pieces I reported, you know, Orlando was seeking a first round pick and a young player. That's essentially if you can get two first round picks, um, it's essentially the same thing. So at that point, 
that meets the asking price. But then what, what, what was interesting to me, as much as the Gordon piece was the Fournier um, injection into that and then, you know, possibly adding smart. I don't know if I'd want to move it. I, I don't know if I'd want to move smart at that point to get Fournier. You know what I mean? And and I think you have enough there where just with the two picks and then, you know, even if you threw in one other young guy and, and, and a salary like, for example, a Tristan Thompson, you should be more than able to get Aaron Gordon. So to me, that's where I would have left it. I think once it got to expand into having Fournier, that's kind of where um, it threw me, especially since he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. Yeah, that makes sense. I wouldn't move smart either if I'm Boston. I think he's too important to what they're doing there. He's a fan favorite. His teammates love him. The coaches love him. It, it just You have to find a deal that really wows you to move on from smart if I'm Danny Ainge. So yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, you mentioned Dinwiddie earlier. Now, I think his situation is interesting because he obviously can't help a team this year unless he does surprisingly come back. Uh, but those bird rights are a factor and a team that wants to re-sign him on a multi-year deal. Maybe they do bring him in and try to get those bird rights. Now you mentioned in your, in your recent Intel piece that Avery Bradley could be an option because basically the Nets are looking for a role player that can help them this year. So they trade Dinwiddie uh, and that team gets the bird rights in exchange. Brooklyn gets someone to help them with their current championship, uh, you know, chase. So you mentioned Avery Bradley. We've heard Norm Powell as a person that's been mentioned, you know, yeah. linked to the Brooklyn Nets, you know, do either of those guys, could you see either, either of those guys getting traded for Dinwiddie and maybe more potentially? I'll say this. I think I don't see necessarily Miami going for Dinwiddie yet just for the fact that they are trying to compete and win this year. Avery Bradley gives them a better chance to do that now. And like they can sign Dinwiddie going forward. But for Brooklyn, you know, some fans may ask, well, why Avery Bradley? He's got ties to Kevin Durant. He's got ties to assistant coach Royal Ivy. And they did pursue him in free agency uh, this past offseason. And at the time, you know, when he signed the deal with Miami, Brooklyn didn't have enough uh, money financially to to get in that range. So that was one thing that factored in there. But obviously, when you make a trade, all that goes away. Um, you know, you, you mentioned, who would you say? I, I lost you for a uh, second. Norm Powell. Norman, okay, so Norman Powell, I was told that those talks with Brooklyn happened before this month. So could they, you know, come up again? Sure, but I, I don't think so. I think that, you know, Norman Powell's a guy that they can get a pick for, um, and he's a guy that's played well. And Toronto's kind of in between, you know, you could say, well, you know, maybe if they lose Lowry, um, then something, but even at that point, it's like Dinwiddie's older. He's 28, I believe, at this point now. So he doesn't necessarily. He's he's gonna be in a prime of his career. Do you, do you do that? And, and Detroit was another team that got mentioned with him, and I never got the timeline fully for that from where they are in their rebuild. So it is gonna be tough to move him. But that said, uh, in an earlier piece I touched on too with that, yes, they are. You know certainly looking at a trade options for Spencer Dinwiddie, but if they don't move him, they're more than happy to work out a sign and trade with him in the offseason because they know he's going to cost a lot of money. And with the luxury tax implications that they have, look, Joe Sy has been great. He certainly opened up the bank, but at a certain point, how much are you paying for a guy that's normally would be what your fourth option at this point? You know, you've got to have, you know, you can make a case that Joe Harris, you know, is going to get as many shots. So it, it all factors in in that regard. But, you know, look what they did with D'Angelo Russell when they knew he wasn't coming back and they were able to, 
you know, work something out to his benefit. I will say that no matter what the Nets do, whether they trade him now or they do a sign and trade, the Nets are going to do right by Spencer Dinwiddie because he was a part of the fabric and the core that helped them uh, in terms of developing guys and, and earn that reputation and help take them to the next level. You know, people forget, you know, him, Joe Harris, and, you know, the Kenny Atkinsons, Jared Allens, and the Karis LeVerts of the world helped the Nets eventually get Kyrie, Katie, and obviously Harden with the LeVert getting traded. No, for sure. It's a good point. Uh, just a few more players I wanted to bring up. Uh, Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's been mentioned in trade rumors all season long for, for sure. you know, a while now. We've heard about Lonzo possibly being available. Uh, the Clippers were mentioned, the Bulls, the Hawks, the Knicks. Uh, he's played well this year. You know, he's shooting the ball really well from three. Nikaias Duncan at basketballnews.com just wrote a great article breaking down Ball's play this year, his development, but then also some teams that could be a good fit for him. So definitely check that out. But I'm curious what happens with Lonzo. I think the Pelicans are interesting because we talked about uh, how there's not really a lot of sellers this year. New Orleans is really the only team or one of the only teams I look at and think, okay, they're definitely a seller. We've heard the stuff about J.J. Redick. Lonzo's obviously, you know, been discussed with different teams. So they could be, you know, maybe the top seller that's out there. What are you hearing about Lonzo? Well, you know, it's interesting real quick. You touched on J.J. Redick. You know, I think the Pelicans thought they might have had a better market for J.J. Redick than uh, it's been thus far. And, you know, usually in the league, you know, getting guys that are shooters usually have value. But J.J. being an older guy and, you know, the biggest thing is the buyout market has changed a lot of it. Um, Teams are just it's so much more player driven league where I feel like the buyout market's getting as much buzz as the trade deadline. But with that said, you know, you, you touched on Lonzo. You know, Lonzo is going to be interesting because I think I had seen some reports out there about him wanting 20 plus million dollars or so. And, yeah. you know, Lonzo's played well. Now, the interesting thing is he's got a high qualifying offer. So in theory, you know, if he ever wanted to just leave and didn't get traded, you could just take the one year qualifying offer and then head out. You know, we've seen Rich Rich Paul, his agent, do that with some other clients. So, you know, that that's a card that's serious. I think... Um, Ultimately, though, there are people in New Orleans that certainly value Lonzo and, and are thrilled to see his growth and, and don't want to see him go. So, you know, it depends who you ask, but you're not just going to get him for, you know, something cheap at all, certainly. You know, that when you see the reports about the Knicks and some other teams and the Bulls, you know, the Bulls to me are interesting because you've got Kobe White there. Does Arturis Karnasovas believe that he's the point guard of the future? If he doesn't, then maybe he makes a move. But if he does, then I don't see why you're going for Lonzo. With the Knicks, um, Emmanuel quickly has been terrific. You know, uh, and I know your guy, Mo Hamilton at Basketball News wrote about him. Uh, he's certainly been a guy on our Hoops Hype rookie rankings that has been uh, among the top rookies, you know, right there with Tyrese Halliburton um, and obviously LaMelo Bull before he got hurt. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. I, I I think for a lot of fans, I don't think a lot of people want to see Lonzo leave and throwing those lobs to uh, Zion. So uh, for me, I think it would take a, de- a really decent offer. And I, I don't, you know, I saw the the one about Santa Ransky and a pick and, you know, that's a nice little starter thing. You know, it's like a fantasy football trade when somebody sends you and you just decline and <laughs> you don't answer their text almost after that. It's like, come on, man, we don't. So I, I will say that I don't get the sense necessarily that um, the Pelicans necessarily want to move Lonzo. They 
he's young enough where he can be a part of this core long term and he's shown good chemistry um with zion brandon ingram and those guys more this year so even though they've kind of underwhelmed maybe to where people thought they would be um i really think that's a 50 50 i I don't i I guess i won't be surprised either way just because um it always seems like there's a guy at the at the trade deadline that you hear talked about and maybe you don't think could get moved but ends up being, you know, and that's the one thing I, I worry about going into these anxious days before the trade deadline. You hear a lot of, well, it's, there's not going to be a lot of action. There's not going to be a lot of action. And then, you know, this, your phone starts lighting up like the 4th of July in Times Square on New Year's Eve. And then you're like, well, clearly the deadline's motivating some people, you know, and, and like Larry Marketing's name popped up, you know, those contract extension talks were far off. Maybe that's rearing its head now because they know that, you know, he can get an offer from restricted free agency. So all those things, months leading up to the trade deadline and months leading up to the draft, even the guys that don't get traded now, the conversations that happen now behind the scenes, they're going to come up again closer towards the draft and people are going to circle back. It, there's always like a six-month shelf life on trade talks, especially ones that go down the wire. Yeah, with Lonzo, he's 23 years old. Like you said, there's been chemistry with – you know, Zion and, and uh, Ingram, we've seen uh, he has taken the next step in his game as a shooter and he's developed. So <clears throat> I wouldn't move him for for nothing. It would have to be uh, you know a, a nice offer if you're the Pelicans. And then I think Markin is interesting because we wrote an article a few days ago at Basketball News. It was Spencer Davies and I. We basically reached out to a bunch of different executives and asked about different teams and different players. And I, I asked one executive, who's a player that no one's really talking about right now, but that could be available. And he told me no one's mentioning marketing, but he's available. And so we kind of looked into that. We started digging a bit and asked a few different people and we put that out there in the notebook and uh, it was buried a bit. And then sure enough, today you have the report from uh, Shams at the athletic that marketing is being discussed. So I, th- I think there's absolutely truth to that. I, I think uh, they're talking with a number of different teams. Now, I don't know if they're actively shopping him or if they're just listening to offers, um, but I think he can be had for the right price. So he's an interesting one. You know, he's a, a notable player that uh, it could be out there that, you know, maybe we hear more between now and Thursday. Uh, so that's one that to definitely watch. I wanted to ask you about Rashawn Holmes. Uh, you had him on your podcast. He talked about what he's kind of looking for in a free agent destination if he is going to leave Sacramento. You mentioned that the Mavericks have been linked to him and, and have shown interest. What, what are you hearing about Holmes? Yeah, I mean, again, a lot of these teams are calling Sacramento, you know, touched on um, Dallas is one of them, but also, you know, Charlotte, Toronto, just teams that are in the market for a center. And, you know, down the line could be teams that are looking, are looking for him in free agency as well. Um, so for Rashawn, I think that's more it right now. Sacramento does like him. They do view him as a guy that could be um, a guy that they bring back certainly in free agency. And right now he's making 5 million. Um, You know, that's a guy that could easily double that, if not triple it um, in free agency this summer. And so, you know, when he was on the podcast on, on Hoopsite, he did talk about, you know, wanting to be able to provide for his family. So he certainly wants a nice payday. I, you know, is he a guy that's willing to take a hometown discount and stay with Sacramento? Maybe, but maybe, but don't push it. <laughs> the guy's gonna. The guy's clearly looking to uh, cash in on the best year of his career, and, and rightfully so. Um, you know, if you ask me, as of this moment, does he get traded? I think it would say something substantial to move the needle for Sacramento. So I won't say never. You never can before the deadline, but 
I wouldn't think so as of right now. So we've talked about a lot of players. Uh, is there anyone else that we haven't mentioned that we should keep an eye on between now and Thursday? Uh, anyone who's coming up a lot in your conversations with executives or agents? I know, for example, you wrote about like Aaron Holiday. We're hearing, you know, George Hill could be available. There's like other role players out there that could be had, I think. But, you know, whether it's those guys or someone else, is there someone that you think we should keep an eye on? Hmm. I mean... You know, I mean, there's smaller guys, you know, like Austin Rivers. There's all there's all those these guys that like if a team is close to the luxury tax could get moved, maybe like an Alfonso McKinney or somebody like that. But I know to the average fan, it's like, you know, whoa, shut it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, locally, I've always I don't know if you could say Mila Kina at this point with the Knicks, because I think Tom Thibodeau really likes him. Um, and believes that he can help him scratch his potential, especially defensively. To me, if I was a team, this is what I would say to you, Alex, if I was a team that was looking to maybe try to find someone that was with the team, had high expectations as a draft pick, but hadn't necessarily panned out yet, and then maybe I could try to get to uh, – rehabilitate and bring into my culture and see if I can improve them and get something out of them. Maybe Kevin Knox with the Knicks personally. Um, you know, it's, it's been a guy, he's been a guy that's been in and out of the rotation for the Knicks. And, um, you know, it seems like since his rookie year, it's just, it hasn't been an easy time in New York. And I think that's a guy quietly that wouldn't shock me. That's maybe not being talked about as much as a guy that, um, you know, could be moved at the deadline. Trying to think if there's anybody else around the league. Um, you know, you hear a lot of talk about uh, Kelly Oubre. I, I could see that, you know. I think Golden State's got to, you know, listen, they kept all those guys, Clay, Steph, Draymond, and and those luxury tax implications start hitting. It's like, oh, you're paying that much? You know, are you going to pay, you know, I don't know, 15 to 20 million annually for Kelly Oubre and the luxury tax implication you would get on that? Something you got to think about. Um, so, I'm trying to think of the team. While you think, I've heard it from executives that have said they absolutely believe that Uber is getting moved between now and Thursday. They've said that they think he's a lock to get traded. So that's mm-hmm. the perception outside of Golden State. Uh, other teams feel like, you know, they're they're being very aggressive and, and looking for the best offer to, to flip him. So we'll see if that ends up happening. But um, there are definitely executives that are expecting a move from Uber. Yeah, no, I, could, I mean, I certainly can understand it. Um, Aaron Holiday is one you wrote about in your Intel yeah. uh, pieces that, you know, he could be available for a first round pick, right? Yeah. And I mean, look, is Indiana going to get that? I don't know. But hey, you know, you shoot your shot. You never know what you get in the DM game these days. Um, <laughs> that said, um, you know, I, you know, I think Aaron Holiday, Alex, I would say Aaron Holiday to me is a microcosm of what's going on in Indiana. Um you know, you had seen some other, I think I saw some reports today about Malcolm Brogdon. I had heard it. I didn't know if I necessarily believed it personally. Um, but I think, again, that's a lot of that is teams doing due diligence and just, yeah, you might as well see what the value for certain guys are. You know, you know Miles Turner as well as I do. Great guy. Uh, his name has been in trade rumors just as much as anybody over the past few years, too. Um, you know, so Indiana's got a lot of guys. Doug McDermott, I, you know, I, maybe that's a guy that I guess fans could say is a sleeper, but Doug McDermott's got value around the league and um, as a shooter and, and a capable bench guy. We've seen him certainly get traded before. 
I think if you're a contender and you're looking for shooting, Doug's having a great year. Um, the only thing I'd be scared about is, you know, Bartlestein's his agent. He's probably going to get him a big paycheck in the, <laughs> in the off season. So you'd have to deal with that if you acquire him. But, you know, I, I like I said, I think Aaron Holiday is kind of a microcosm of what's going on in Indiana. They've not met expectations so far this year. And when that happens, you got to be open to things. It, it's just part of the job. And if you're not, you're not doing your job well. You have to do due diligence. It's It's part of it. Yeah, I'll say I would be stunned if we saw the Pacers move Brogdon or Sabonis. Uh, Vinny Goodwill, or Vinny Goodwill, excuse me, he put that out there that it's been discussed. They've, they've had conversations, and Vinny's awesome. I think he's very credible, and, you know, I'm not questioning anything that he's putting out there. You know, it's very possible they've had conversations, but I know Pacers sources are pushing back on that pretty hard that Brogdon's available, that uh, Sabonis is available. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, I mean, the Pacers are a team to watch, though, because of the others you mentioned whether it's Holiday or McDermott or some of those guys. Uh, that, that's a good point. I think, you know, Houston, obviously, we talked about them. Someone like Eric Gordon maybe ends up being shopped a little bit. They have a lot of different players in that roster. They're already having conversations with everyone about the Victor Oladipos. They've been talking, you know, they were talking previously about P.J. Tucker. Uh, maybe Gordon is the next to go because he's a veteran and obviously their timeline is shifting. So there's a lot of players to watch. Uh, I do want to finish on this. Uh, we talked about a lot of trade possibilities what about buyouts? Because like you said, buyout season now is very highly anticipated. Everyone gets excited about buyouts. You know, we know Andre Drummond could potentially be bought out. We mentioned JaVale McGee. LaMarcus Aldridge is someone that might be bought out potentially. I think there's been reports about, you know, some other players. Are there any other players out there that you think could be bought out? And do you expect a lot of buyouts this year? Oh, boy. Um, I, it seems like I feel like we've been hearing about buyouts for over a month before the trade deadline. It's a weird year like that. You know, I can't remember any time beforehand that that would make sense. You know, um, to me, it just, first of all, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know if I like that because to me, it, it totally shrinks the trade market. When there's all this talk about guys getting bought out, what teams are going to give up any assets for anybody? Yeah, it hurt. I don't understand why teams do it because if you're, you know, whether it was like Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond or Lamarcus Aldridge or PJ Tucker, it hurts your leverage when you're basically saying, "Hey, we are going to sit this guy until he's moved." Then you're making it clear to everyone that you're going to move him, and then the assumption is, okay, well, if you don't find a trade, you're going to buy him out. So why would we give up anything to get him? I agree with you, and I mean. I know sometimes it can be an uncomfortable situation playing a guy that wants to get traded. And, you know, look, you saw what happened with James Harden when he really did want out. Um, It's just a tough situation. And then this is the other thing to me, Alex, is that it's not like, okay, let's say Andre Drummond doesn't get traded. You can't have the guy sit on your bench all year because then you're going to infuriate the agent and, You know, being that a lot of these guys, you know, you look at some of these guys like J.J. Redick, CAA, uh, you know, JaVale, I believe is still Wasserman. Um, you know, you, you've got guys that are like at big time agencies that you really don't want to anger them because for relationship stuff down the line, mm-hmm. meetings to get free agents and trades, it it's just not good business. So you, you're almost at the mercy of the player. And, and I'll say this, Blake gave up a lot of money. So it, it wasn't just like a guy that gave up the minimum salary to just sign somewhere else, you know? So to me, that, that made it advantageous for Detroit at that time. And, you know, 
I was not shocked at all that Blake Griffith dunked the first game back. You know, the whole, oh, man, he he can't dunk. It's not like the guy forgot how to dunk. I mean, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, James Harden, like the first couple of games, dropped like 40, and then it's like, all right, I'm going to chill out. <laughs> you know, you got to do what you got to do to get moved. So some other guys, um, I guess it would be interesting, you know, Austin Rivers, I, I know some people had said, the only thing with that is like, He's got multiple years on his deal, but they're not guaranteed. So eh, maybe Whiteside would be interesting just with Sacramento. Um, you know, I you talked JaVale, about Reddick, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, JJ. Uh, yeah. And then when that happens, you know, the Nets are the Knicks. The Nets are definitely going to be in there. You know, Sean Marks is built is is building the Avengers. Okay. That's what's happening <laughs> right now. It's just they, they, everybody you could possibly think of, even Otto Porter, you know, some people have said maybe could uh, be a fit for, for the Nets. It's like, yeah, you know, any, anybody that, you know, he ever could have gave that big contract. You saw them get crab. You saw them get Tyler Johnson. Yeah. yeah why not? Otto Porter. That's his MO. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I'll say this about JJ. I have seen JJ uh, in Cobble Hill, not recently, but like I've seen him in the neighborhood. Um, wouldn't shock me. Um, and, you know, again, for a guy that's the biggest thing, you're trying to win. And the Nets right now are just so loading up for that championship run. I think any guy that hits the buyout market is going to look at the Nets now. Yeah. That said, you know, Drummond is a guy that's still young enough that's playing for a contract. You know, you go to L.A., big market, you know, look what it did. For, you know, uh, Dwight Howard kind of, I won't say resurrected his career, but like Dwight Howard really got a lot of love for that year in L.A. that he helped lead them to a championship. When you're on a championship team, it makes a difference and you can play a role. So I think those are the guys, um, you know, eh, Gorgie Jang maybe, but. Yeah, the, the, the main guys, you know, we, we pretty much touched on. I, and again, I, I think that that's going to be as impactful as, as the trade deadline. What I will say, Alex, is that, you know, and just to kind of wrap up on the buyout stuff is that we've been hearing about all this stuff for like, it seems like over a month. So all I think we're all asking for is like after the trade deadline, let's go. Yeah. Get them, like, Let's let's get these buyout guys. Give me like let's get it all done in less than a week. And you've had time. Make your kinda, choice. Yeah, you've got time <laughs> to like you know behind the scenes see what see what's going on. Come on, let's then make it as quick as possible at that point. I want JJ Redick in Brooklyn just for the podcast uh, material because <laughs> I think that would be amazing just to hear the behind the scenes stuff with that Nets team. He'd have Kyrie on, he'd have KD on. I think just selfishly as a podcast fan, I want JJ in Brooklyn. Maybe uh, stage in the uh, the studio. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Well, Mike, this has been awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Again, you've been doing a fantastic job at Hoopsype, and I would recommend that everyone go check out your your trade intel pieces. They've been fantastic, and check out all of Mike's work. You know, he does these great long forms. He has great interviews. He's the host of the Hoopsite podcast, and has great guests on there. We mentioned his interviews with Rashawn Holmes and Sam Amick. So definitely check out the podcast. Check out all of Mike's articles, and you can follow him on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto, so you don't miss any of his work. Mike, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Alex. Only for you, brother. Keep up the fantastic work and uh, have a good trade deadline. Uh, enjoy Thursday. 
<laughs> right back at you. Keep up the great work of basketball news. I've enjoyed seeing it grow over the past uh, almost a year as you as you inch, inch towards that year mark. Thank Very you. Happy I, to see it. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you so much. And everyone, we are doing an NBA trade deadline show on Thursday. It's a live stream from noon Eastern time to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Check that out. We're going to provide live analysis, react to every rumor and every trade that goes down. So check that out. It'll be on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, you don't want to miss that from 12 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, our NBA trade deadline show. And if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, basketballnews.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by greensupply.com. With everything going on in the world, it's more important than ever to stay safe. At greensupply.com, you can purchase masks, hand sanitizer, and other important health and wellness products, which are all in stock with same-day shipping. Best of all, listeners get 10% off their order when you use the promo code ALEX at checkout. That's A-L-E-X for 10% off your order. They have KN95 masks, cloth masks, hand sanitizer, and other supplies like forehead thermometers and UV boxes. Visit greensupply.com today. That's greensupply.com.